If you know me, you know that I love a great wine and food festival. That's why I'm beyond excited that after two years, Pacific Wine and Food Classic is back on October 1st. Named the best food and wine festival in North America by USA Today, this incredible event features top local chefs, premium cocktails, more than 100 wines, live music, and more, all in beautiful Newport Beach. Now, this event is going VIP only for 2022, but you don't have to worry because the best seats has you covered. When you go to PacificWineAndFood.com for more details and to purchase tickets, you can use the discount code SEATS at checkout to save $25 off. That's SEATS, C-E-A-T-S, for $25 off. Once again, that's PacificWineAndFood.com for tickets and more information. And trust me, this is not one you want to miss. This episode of the Best Seats Podcast is brought to you by, well, you. To learn how you can support the show, go to thebestseats.com slash Patreon. Once there, you'll learn how you can get early access to shows, ad-free listening, the ability to submit questions, comments, concerns, and more. Once again, that's thebestseats.com slash Patreon. But enough of that. On to the show. What's up, everybody? Hello, and welcome to the first ever episode 99 of the Best Seats Podcast, the only podcast bringing you interviews with some of the most talented people in and around the hospitality community from right here in Orange County to the rest of Southern California and beyond each and every episode. As always, I'm your host, Croft McCarthy, founder and principal of the Best Seats. Thank you, as always, to my friend Allie Coyle, who provides music for the show. You can find more of her work at AllieCoyleMusic.com. And she's also been doing a lot of um, events lately, playing over at like Wayfair and Costa Mesa and a bunch of other spots. So make sure to check her out on social media or her website for upcoming show dates because she is awesome. As a reminder, if you enjoy the show, please be sure to leave a rating and or a review if you are listening to it on free feeds. It helps other folks discover it as well, whether that is Spotify, Amazon, wherever it's at. Please share the good word on social media, etc. It helps get these wonderful guests in front of even more folks that love what they have to say. Don't forget, you can go to thebestseats.com for more content just like this. But ultimately, the best experience is still patreon.com forward slash thebestseats, where for as little as $2 a month, you get exclusive access to the bonus episode each and every time that launched this year in 2022. There's like 26, 27 of them now at this point. They've been really, really awesome. Even more insight into each and every guest, some really cool stuff to talk about. And it is only there over on Patreon where you can do that as well as so much more. All right, enough of that, though. Let's talk about my guest for episode 99. It is executive chef over at Porch and Swing in Irvine, Alan Sanz. Now, he is just so freaking talented um he's got a great story you know kind of figuring out what he wanted to do he was playing music about 17 years old in mexico city jumped into a dish pit at a hotel ended up really pursuing a culinary career that took him all over the world to work in some of the best restaurants in the world places that consistently crack either the top 50 for latin america or the top 50 in general he has been all over He's worked with some of the best. He's learned from a lot of the best. He's only been in the States a short while. He got here when Gracias Madre picked him up to help kind of revitalize that restaurant up in West Hollywood initially and then opened Newport Beach. And he's just 
really, really found this foothold now over at Porch and Swing. It's given him, I mean, it, it, all the work he did before has been amazing. Don't get me wrong. There's a reason that I've wanted to get him on the show forever. And when I found out that he was going to Porch and Swing, we had to delay that a little bit. We were kind of playing around, trying to get some scheduling issues. Now, at about four months in, we finally had the opportunity to sit down, and he's really been crushing it. Now, that's a restaurant that didn't need a lot of help. They were obviously ranked. I think Orange Coast gave them best new restaurant the year that they premiered. They've had wonderful chefs already come through there, a fantastic bar program. You've had guests on this show before that have worked for him. You guys have heard them. So it's not a place like it was new, but now all of a sudden you bring in this fantastic chef and it's just really invigorated new life into the restaurant in a very fascinating way. So we sit down to walk through his story. Where did he come from? How did he get to these spots? What did he take away from each one of them? And then what is he injecting from all of those life experiences and all those world travels into the restaurant? It's a really fascinating tale. It's one that I really, really hope that you guys are going to enjoy. I really loved being able to record with him. Um, he had me in his home. We sat down, shared a drink, and just walked through his story. And it's a great one. And it's a really good one that you will love. Um, if you are not on Patreon, make sure you think about that one because the bonus episode for this one is one of the coolest ones I've done so far. Don't get me wrong, I've loved every single bonus episode, but Chef goes into some things in this bonus episode that are just killer. So if you're on free feeds, hey, I really appreciate the support anyway, but if you're on Patreon, definitely check that one out as well. But enough of my rambling, let's get straight in to episode 99 of the Best Seats Podcast, Executive Chef at Porch and Swing in Irvine, Alain Sanz. Enjoy! Chef, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down. Thank you for allowing me to come into your home so we can record this episode. Uh, you're somebody that we've been talking about trying to get an episode together for a while now. Had to reschedule a couple times, but finally we we're able to sit down and I'm very, very excited to do so. To talk about all the things that you've been, kind of been working on with the restaurant and kind of just kind of your career. But before we dive into any of that, would you mind taking a moment to introduce yourself and give a little bit of your background? Yeah, for sure. Uh, thank you for inviting me. Uh, I know we were scheduled a couple of times, but I mean, we made yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, we made it. And I'm really happy because, um, I mean, I love uh, the relationship like here and there and like being in all these events together. So it's really nice. Uh, well, about me, um, I have 15 years in the industry already. I started um, 15 years ago in Mexico City, uh, being a rebellious teenager. So at some point, my parents there was like, "Hey, you need to find something else because this is not working." So, <laughs> and I was like, "Okay." So I was uh, playing music mm -hmm. uh, my, my entire life. I just grew up like playing and listening music. My grandpa uh, uh, played. My my dad played drums. Uh, my mom's siblings they play and sing. So it was kind of like natural environment for me, you know, and. I was just like being into the music a lot. So the school for me was like the last thing. Yeah. And uh, well, when my parents told me that, I just went to ask uh, for jobs, you know, because for me it was the music and the school, it was whatever. So I wanted to do something else. So I um, started looking for jobs and I just found a, a hotel in Mexico City and they was hiring. And the only position that they had was dishwasher. And I was like, well, I mean, how difficult it could be just like washing dishes. <laughs> like famous I, last I, words. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, I do it like sometimes at home, so how, how, how difficult it could be. 
And then, well, uh, it was a slab of reality that it was super hard. But um, after three months, it was their anniversary. So the chef invited another three chefs that at some point uh, they were like super like famous. And when I saw them, just came to the kitchen like all with tattoos, with dreadlocks, with like some piercings and like directing everybody, yelling everybody. And I was like, damn, these guys are kind of like a rock band and I'm being in the music. So yeah. I didn't know that, that the, the kitchen, it could be like that too. Like have these like strong personalities and like at some point like having party, but also being serious. That that like contrast of personality, like these um, super strong personalities, but at the same time putting flowers like super delicate in the plates it was kind of like ah this is interesting and they were uh, listening to them they was tra they were traveling around the world like doing research speaking like multiple languages and for me it was kind of like ah oh, like this is super interesting i want to be there they're having more fun than me just here yeah the washing dishes so i asked the chef if i can had an opportunity and he said like yeah So I was 17 years old. So at that point, I I was doing the dishes. I was uh, washing the dishes, and also I was doing uh, prep for the cold station. Gotcha. Like, okay. both at the same time. It was, like, labor, like, free labor for the chef. Yeah. Uh, now I understand it. At that point, it was like, oh, he's so cool. He's so nice. <laughs> right? And now you look back, you're like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so after two months, he hired another uh, dishwasher, and I was... Well, the guy had like some trouble, the one that it was in the cold station. So I been the main one in the cold station. Mm -hmm. So I started to work there. And then one day he fired me. He said like, hey, you have to go to the culinary arts. And I was like, but, but I mean, I'm happy here. He's like, no, you have to finish your school. You have to do the like on the right way. And I was like, okay. So I, I spoke with my parents like, hey, I finally know what I'm going to do with my life. I want to be a chef. And obviously, my parents, they were like, ha, ha, ha. Like, there is no way. Yeah. Like, how, when, like. Where did this come from? Yeah, yeah. where did yeah. this come from? Like, no. Um, and my mom was kind of like, well, I'm not, I'm not going to support you. But my daddy was kind of like, okay. He was, um, he was watching me, like, going early, like, spending too much time there and that was the first the first moment that i understand the kitchen it was my place because it was the first place the first the first place that i spent more than 12 hours and not being boring no being like anxious like you know it was kind of like oh this damn, just like, feels just, natural yeah, yeah it was natural it was like a lot of things to do but it was super like interesting for me and My daddy was kind of like, okay, I'm going to speak with your mom. I'm going to help you to convince her, and we'll see what happens. And then uh, one day they told me, like, well, we're going to pay your school. Just, like, do the finish your uh, the high school, mm -hmm. and then we are going to help you with the university. Uh, you need to decide the school and whatever. So I did, and they just told me, well, we're going to pay the school, but that's it. If you need gas for your car, if you need, like, uniforms, if you need extra things, it's going to be on you. So you need to like work as well. And I was like, okay. So I start to to work uh, with uh, Josefina Santa Cruz that at that moment in my life and in the Mexican cuisine, she was one of the 20 best chefs in Mexico. Uh, she went to the um, to the culinary arts in, in New York uh, in the 
culinary arts of oh, the, the CIA the and, uh, and uh, yeah. what is it Hudson? In, and, in, yeah, yes, yeah, in New York. Yeah, it's like Hudson Valley or yeah. something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so she was working here. Um, she was the executive chef of one of the Placido Domingo restaurants here, the Pampano. So then she came back to Mexico with all this experience, and she started to be one of the. Uh, at that point, it was like, oh my god, she's coming from other place to teach us, yeah. like more techniques. And I started to work with her at her restaurant, and then, well, the rest is history. I went, I I won a scholarship uh, because I started the culinary arts in Mexico City uh, after one year and a half. Well, the culinary arts in in Mexico and in Latin America is a little bit different or maybe a huge different than here, because it's a university, it's a career, it's mm-hmm. four years. Gotcha. Here, it's more like just some courses, like yeah. you can choose between savory and sweet. I want to say, and, and somebody can obviously write into the show and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I, I want to say it's something like two years or something like yeah, that. Exactly, exactly, yeah, exactly, exactly. At, at least if you're going to the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the CIA. But if, if not... It's in well, there it's just like four years, and you they teach you the savory side, the bread, chocolate, uh, sweets, uh, but administration, marketing, languages. Well, like, yeah, like in general, like, I don't know, uh, accountability, uh, like, coast, all this, uh, like, science, history. So it's a it's an actual like yeah. yeah really comprehensive yeah that's why curriculum. it's four years yeah. so first year and a half i did it in mexico city then i won a scholarship to move to argentina to buenos aires because that's where the main school is gotcha uh, okay so i moved two years and a half I mean, to talk buenos about aires. a major culinary hotbed with argentina i mean and buenos aires especially good Oof. lord yeah yeah yeah, yeah. The, the, the school that i went in mexico city was uh, a location from that school from the main school in Got argentina it. uh now they have like even in Miami, in Paris, at my time, they just had Mexico City, uh, Venezuela, Colombia, and Argentina. It was the main one. So I won the, the scholarship. I moved to Argentina, to Buenos Aires, two years and a half. And my vision about the, the kitchen life, it was, like, open, like, way, 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 uh, like, more than than I had idea. Um so two years and a half in Argentina, I worked for Francis Malman. Mm-hmm. He was one of my inspirations yeah, there. Yeah, it's an icon. Yeah. yeah, it's an icon there. So I had the opportunity because he had some connections with the school. So the school, it was sending him like people to make their statues and mm-hmm. all that kind of thing. So at the end, I, um, the, the, their people hired me and um, uh, I worked for him. And then for that Narda Lepes, that she's an icon too mm-hmm. there. And for the Petersen brothers, that they have like huge yeah. catering uh, in, in Argentina. So, and after that, I met a Chilean guy that he was going back to Chile. He was studying in the school too. So he was moving back to, to Chile. And I told him like, hey, like you have space in your house for me. I want to try like in Chile. What is the, yeah. the restaurant? Because at that time, uh, Borago, it was one of the 50 best in the Latin America list. And I didn't have an idea what the Chilean food it was. So I was kind of like, uh, like super interesting on that food. So he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, the Latin people is like that. Yeah, yeah, like come home, you know, like yeah, my yeah, parents yeah. are going to be happy and whatever. So we, he, he moved first back. And after two months, I, I moved to Chile, uh, to Santiago. So I started in Borago. 
as a, sta as a stage. Yeah. And then they hired me. And one year and two months, I was working in Borago. Uh, now, Borago is one of the 50 best in the world. At that time, it was just the Latin, or the Latin America. But now, it's incredibly, it's incredible. Like, all the Rodolfo, the Chef Rodolfo works, it's amazing. With all the endemic products and the techniques, it was crazy. And then, um, there, it was a Spanish guy. Same, like, doing statues there, like, trying to know. And same, same story for me. He was like, hey, like, do you think that you can help me to go to Spain? Like, I really want to go there. He was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm going to go back in six months. So if you want to go with me, like, yeah, I, I live in a, an apartment uh, by myself and there's going to be plenty of room for you. And I was like, okay. So I moved to Spain. Uh, he lives in San, San Sebastián, that is the north of the country in Spain. So I apply for Mugaritz. Okay. So Mugaritz at that time, it was one of the, the yeah, that's, top, top, yeah. top five way, in the way world. Up there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so one year, three months working there, uh, I start, I started like doing cleaning the micro, the micros with scissors and like doing these Just small tedious, tedious, yeah, tedious. Shit. Yeah, that, that yeah. was our job. Like yeah. all the stage people, that was their job, like cleaning, like tedious stuff. Um, but I mean, at some point I was in the line, uh, I was at the end of my, uh, my time there, I was one of the lead lines. Uh, it was a really fun, um, really fun, and that changed again my mind about the the, the cuisine. They closed four months per year just to do a new menu, just to recreate a new menu. Yeah, just to kind of do the R and D and just yeah. Again, I mean that's so, not uncommon at that level. I know like Noma does that, and a couple other people do yeah. that as well. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. They take yeah. the time that they close, and then they spend all this time just really be focusing the new. Uh, menu and that's crazy like all the, the creative process in that places is crazy but also the um, the level of perfection and like concentration is like too much that a lot of people get sick yeah it's it's hard yeah that like, level is really 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 hard to demanding, operate at. like demanding super demanding uh do you eat restaurant you sleep at the restaurant you I mean, it's there, restaurant, there's restaurant, some people restaurant. that can do that, but that is not a kind of quote unquote work life balance. It, yeah, you, no, you it always it's not. A, it's not at all. But at some point, I mean, I at least it's my experience. But I think it's the only way to be in that way to yeah. be one of the best ones. You yeah. Know? Um, and then uh, friends. So I was kind of like, okay, done. One year, two months. I need to go. But I was like, I can't go back to Mexico without work in france it's, i mean it's it's, it's it's a station of the cross exactly yeah, you have yeah, to go to france i have to i, I was uh Mugaritis in renteria it's this country that is basically in the border with france mm -hmm. um so i was kind of like well i'm like pretty close i really want to do something there because it's they're the fathers of the professional gastronomy so i i want to like have that experience and then uh epq yeah. So one year in EPQ, it was one of the most demanding and military jobs that I had. Um, same, like three Michelin stars, uh, one of the best in the world. But it was super interesting to try to read their minds and understand them. Like they're artists, like they're people that, that these chefs are crazy 
but in a good way. Well, you mentioned, I mean, military style. I mean, it probably was that kind of Escoffier, like the brigade. Yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. But especially yeah. being in France, they're like super strong, like guys. Yeah. And character, like they, they're, they're super strong. So, um, and then I realized that all my professional skills, there was based on the European cuisine, the Latin American cuisine, but no really on my heritage, on my roots, there, yeah. there was Mexico. So I was kind of like, well, I know, because my grandparents are from Oaxaca, and Oaxaca now is like a trending in the world. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, especially with the mezcal and the food. Yeah, with the boom of mezcal, people yeah. are really, really discovering it. Oh, yeah. and um, Rightfully so, yeah. Yeah. And then, well, the, this year, Oaxaca wants from the Traveler Leisure res, uh, magazine, they won the best place in the world to visit. Yeah, so, yeah, it's, yeah. That was recent too. Yeah, At the time recent. of this recording, it was yeah. like within the past two months, I think, or something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and and my grandparents are from there, and for my dad's side, they're from Michoacan. So two of the most like important gastronomies in Mexico. It was since I was a kid. It wasn't me. But I understand how to eat and I can taste a good mole, but I didn't know at that time how to make a mole. You know, I didn't know all the ingredients, all the technique, all the process, like the, the seasoning ingredients. Yeah. Like it was a lot of things that I didn't understand. And I was realizing, realizing that when I was in France, because all of them, they was doing that. Like they was, you know, that was, that was their main thing, like a local products, like techniques. So I was kind of like, okay, but I don't know anything about that. So I need to go back and make some research and study about all that part um, of the gastronomy in my life. So I moved back to Mexico City. I just spent a couple times with my family because it was like a lot of years without yeah. like, you know. And then I moved to Oaxaca for years. Uh, that was the first place that when I, where I start to have a known, like my own style. Um, First of all, Oaxaca was amazing. I think it's the most beautiful place that I that I've ever been. But also the culture, the I mean, it's such. It, you talk about culture. I mean, you're talking about culture. Yeah, I mean, this is like yeah, two of history. the yeah, two of the biggest and important uh, music schools are in Oaxaca. Uh, like eighty percent of the artists are from Oaxaca. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's music, like graphic, uh, art in general, um, music writers, like in general, it's like super like rich and, and, and culture, uh, and also at artisanis. Yeah. It's like, no, crazy. the density of creativity there is tangible. Yeah. You walk around and the, it, it has an energy to it that you oh, don't yeah, get totally, anywhere else. Totally. Exactly. That, that's the thing. It's an energy. Uh, and I start to to doing research with the moles, um, going to to the all the eight different regions, uh, like doing research, working in restaurants there, uh, trying to open some places with um, with the techniques that I already learned, mm -hmm. but like using all these ingredients. That at that time it was. I was gonna say, what, what time frame are you talking about here? Uh, 2015, 2016. Okay. So at that time, it was like, that was a, the popular thing to do yeah. in the gastronomy in Mexico. It was like putting all these uh, techniques from other countries, but using all the local ingredients. Now it's a little bit different. But at that point, that was uh, 
Enrico Vera starting with this mm -hmm. movement and then like all uh, other chefs doing that. But for me, it was it was discovering my my own um, my own style. And then 2018 in Oaxaca, I well the restaurant that I was work with I was the executive chef of the Hotel Los Amantes. Mm -hmm. uh, they have a mezcal brand too, uh, and they have one of the most like um, important mezcalerias. Um, it's a small place. It's a destination place, uh, and they always have like a live music. It's just one guy with a guitar, and there's a lot of people just going to that this tiny place just just to taste the mezcal. And in front of like crossing the street, they open a hotel, and I was the chef that opened that hotel with all the menu, with all the food, and with all the concepts. I won the chef revelation of the year uh, for the the uh, gourmet awards. Um, so that one, it was my first, like, important thing, like, in the gastronomy over yeah. there. Um, and after that, I continued in Oaxaca, like, for years. And then I met uh, one of the owners from this big corp in Mexico City that calls Archipelago. They are the owners of Mezcal Union. Mm -hmm. um, so I met uh, Pepe, and he was like, hey, I really like you. I really like what you're doing. So we have, like, a couple restaurants in, in, in Mexico City, and we have, like, some other concepts. It's a super cool um, corp. So young owners, like, new vision, like, fresh. Uh, well, they own the Mezcal, but they have nightclubs, but, like, yeah. super cool, like, concepts. Um, they're being focused on the experience. Of their older places uh so i i was like okay that sounds good i went to mexico just to visit their places and just i was doing just a little scouting about, yeah you just wanted you know? to feel for them yeah and then i fell in love with all their concepts the way that they was doing the business and i was like okay and it was about they were at that time yeah they were about to open a new place uh and we did it together parcella a parcela it was my first restaurant with them it was a success uh huge like open restaurant um open kitchen huge patio uh etzel that is one of the bar the best bartenders in mexico he was uh my partner like to open that restaurant and then one year and a half with them and I was like feeling so comfortable now with all this Latin style, yeah. uh, like understanding better what was the movement in the gastronomy over there. And then at some point, um, one of the owners of the Grasses Madre uh, contacted me uh, and they were like, hey, we're looking for a, for a chef. It's been a while that we didn't have anybody. Uh, it's like, it's not working with, the other chefs that yeah. are trying to, to apply. So we really want somebody that really understands the Mexican cuisine, but not the Mexican-American cuisine. We don't want anymore, that like burritos. Yeah, that, exactly. Yeah, we don't want that. So no. we, we really need somebody that understands the food uh, because that's our main inspiration. So I was, and they told me, like, I think you are the perfect profile for, for us that we're looking for. So, uh, like, please... I mean, we can, we can give you an offer. And I was kind of like, when they told me that it was vegan, I was like, meh. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and, and, 
and we're going to touch, I'm going to come back to that in just a second, but because I am curious about that and your experience there and kind of your time there. So what are we talking now? We're talking like, when did you come up to Gracias Madre? 2019. 2019? Yeah. Okay. 2019. Just before everything got really, really fun in 2020. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right before. <laughs> perfect time to upload your time. life. <laughs> yeah. Perfect time. Um, so I, I just accepted the, the offer. I came here and we started doing the the new menu. We started to work on the in all the new uh, stuff for the grasses matter. This is the West Hollywood location. Yep. So I came to the West Hollywood. So we built everything. It was a new menu. Um, all the 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 corn process to make the masa, the tortillas, everything was making at, at in the restaurant. Like we did everything at, at the house. Like uh, we was uh, buying the the corn and we was like cooking the corn, like doing the masa. Um, everything it was it was a completely like change there and i started to think like because a lot of people when they was trying to do or chefs that it was before me they was trying to substitute something like either the proteins like chorizo they was trying to buy chorizo like soy chorizo yeah or like chicken with uh chicken chickpeas or like all the kind of fake yeah exactly meats, like hey it's still this but it's the fake version it's exactly the, it's, yeah it's it, the beyond it's yeah and for me it was like well i'm just came from oaxaca like not too many years ago and a tortilla with beans and salsa that is completely vegan what about if we start to put that in the menu yeah you know what i mean that was my idea i i never wants to like replicate traditional plates from Mexico. So my idea, it was trying to put something that it was super Mexican, but not like traditional uh, dishes from Mexico. It was it, like all the food had this like authenticity and flavors and like techniques, but we didn't want to to make like, I don't know, like carnitas. Like no, from yeah, you're not you're not doing like oh no, this is like a cochinita pibil, but yeah, exactly it's not exactly. It's a, it's you can still like, do it and honor the tradition and honor the culture and honor the flavors without having to basically say, oh no, this is our quesadilla exactly. in air quotes. Exactly, yeah. it, that was my idea. So like for me, it was like well, I during all this research, uh, there is still a lot of towns in Mexico that they eat just like like that. Um, they ferment the corn, they ferment like too many things. Uh, like the tepaches, no, I, I know mm -hmm. here, like the health department, and that is another situation. But, um, who was trying to, to go in that way? So, after six months that I changed the menu, the Michelin guide uh mentioned us in, in California. I remember that, yeah. yeah. Well, because for a while, everybody kind of looked at Gracias Madre and it was kind of exactly. like, oh, this is this is exactly weird because and I, think, odd. And I think before then I came here, Gracias, it, it was a uh, Kind of like a... Uh, well, it's time for a little commercial. Yeah. I don't know about you, but 2020 had me re-looking at how I live and the space that I live in. Spending so much time at home really had me reevaluating how certain things worked and didn't in my living space. One of the main things, as an avid home cook and an obvious supporter of restaurants, was gardening. Anybody who enjoys food at all will be able to tell you that something you've grown yourself 
will taste infinitely better than anything you can buy at a store. That's where Ashley Irene of Heirloom Potage comes in. Heirloom Potage designs, installs, and maintains seasonal culinary gardens for chefs and foodies in Orange County. They provide organic gardening methods and bespoke build-outs used to preserve the heirloom varietals that they'll provide for seeds. An approachable and exciting endeavor, no matter if you're a seasoned restaurateur or a stay-at-home chef. Owner Ashley Irene's experience, expertise, and enthusiasm is only matched by her professionalism. For more information on how you can set up a consultation to get your own culinary garden space set up, go to heirloompotage.com. That's heirloom, H-E-I-R-L-O-O-M, potage, P-O-T-A-G-E-R.com today. Once again, that's heirloom potage. If you listen to the best seats at all or read the content, then you know the motto, live well and often. But what does it mean? In layman's terms, it's trying to give you the best products, places, experiences, and more, so you can put a big smile on your face every single day. Amass Botanics is what I use on my back bar constantly if I need a cocktail or a quick pick-me-up. Any of their other botanical products, like candles, hand sanitizer, and more, also helps to set the mood. Now, I'm a big fan of everything that Amass does. I have been since day one when they launched their trademark gin, and everything they've done since then has been nothing short of excellent. Now you can get your hands on their products at a discounted rate by going to amass.com and using the discount code THEBESTSEATS15, that's C-E-A-T-S, at checkout. Now it's limited one per customer, so make sure you load up. But trust me, you can't go wrong with anything they're doing. I stand by Amass 100%. They're one of my go-to brands for spirits needs or anything around the house. So again, Go to amass.com, that's A-M-A-S-S, and use the code THEBESTSEATS15 at checkout. Trust me, you will not be disappointed. Uh, celebrity, it, it was, it was Mexican, hipster. It was hipster, it was hipster yeah. yeah, exactly. You, you went there to be seen, not to eat. Exactly. You wanted to be seen eating. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it was the only like vegan Mexican content. Yeah. And look, I got a lot of love, a lot of friends who work for Gracias Madre, so I'm not knocking it. But yeah, mm-hmm. at that time, that's absolutely what it was, and that's what everybody thought it was. Yeah, yeah, I know, and that was that was it was a success. But when when we did it, like, and we started to think in the different mission, the Michelin guide put us in the, on the uh, on the guide in California. And everybody started to look like Gracias Madre in a different way now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Max started to play way more with the agave situation, like doing more crazy things. We was working like really cool together, like developing all these, uh, like the patches and moles and yeah. like all that kind of things. So it was super cool because now the mole was making the mole from scratch, the restaurant um, with the correct chilies with like, I was trying to do all that things. We put in the menu for a while at La Yuda from Oaxaca. And same, like there is a lot of people in Oaxaca that they don't have money to buy meat. They just spread beans, yep. the cheese, the tortilla, and like the pork lard, that's it. That was the way that I was like putting the plates on, on grasses. And then the owners decided to open the Newport location. So I came to Orange County because of that, because we opened the Newport location like a few months, maybe like, Four or five months before in the pandemic. Yep. Uh, so we opened. We did our grand opening on January and March. Shut down. I vividly remember that. Yep. yep. And, vividly. And well, and in general, that's my background. Like 
that countries, uh, these restaurants, and that's how I ended here. It's a hell of a trip, man. I mean, that's a <laughs> hell of a story just to kind of basically call in favors to jump to some of the best restaurants in the world to stage and then eventually get jobs, all from 17 years old being thrown into the dishwashing pit. I mean, that that's a heck of a tale. So now you're over at Porch and Swing mm-hmm. over in Irvine, um, a restaurant that has had a lot of accolades of its own, but also some changes mm-hmm. with personnel. I've had guests on the show that previously worked there in the past, as all restaurants do, mm-hmm. right? People kind of come and go sometimes. How long have you been at Porch and Swing, and what's kind of that process been like for you? Because that is not exactly. Mexican and flair. I mean, yeah. that is that was you know when that first opened, that was kind of South Carolinian, yeah. you know, New American mm-hmm. things like that. So, how long have you been at Porch and Swing, and what's that journey been like? Uh, four months already at Porch and Swing, um, and again, like I love challenge, like, yeah. like challenging. It's it's my it's my thing. Like I feel. Like this adrenaline when it's about a challenge and try to do something new, but, oh, but also um, I had a background in like other kind of cuisines too. Yeah. So it, for me, it's a little bit easy to adapt or to understand um, the kitchens uh, because of that. So when I when I start speak to Andrew, it was through Eric. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric is one of my best friends, um, and then. I really like his, his place. The drinks are always like really good. For me, it was like, this is one place that is doing the things that other restaurants in LA are doing. And that's why all the people is going to LA because they close late, because they have like really good food. But here in Orange County, there is not too many places for that. But no. Fortune Swing, Andrew was like taking the risk to put that offer for the people. Like, hey, like we're closing. We have late night. We have like, this like late night food like the food is good the drinks are good just like we are in a beautiful space like and for me that was that was the the first thing like yeah like he's they're doing like cool stuff and then when i spoke to him the concept of portion swing it's uh south carolina and like especially charleston because he's from there Mm -hmm. um and he he wants to put that essence at his restaurant but when I start to make my research, Charleston has a worldly influence. Like massively, yeah. Yeah, it's, massively. It's, it's, it's more like, than just the foundation of like people like Sean Brock and people like that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously made that town just explode culinary wise. Yeah, exactly. But I think Sean Brock, it's kind of like the Enrico Vera from yeah, Charleston. Yeah. You know what yep, I mean? Great comparison. It's, yeah. it's 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 what happened there. And for me, it was kind of like, whoa, they have a lot of corn. I'm super familiar with corn, you know what I mean? <laughs> I know my uh, way around that one. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and then they have a super huge French influence. Whoa, I've been and work in, in France. I live there. And they have a Germany influence. I've never been in German. But <clears throat> they well, have this... Argentina, so a lot of Germans were exactly. in Argentina. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was my point. So, But uh, Argentina, like half of the, the, um, the people... It's from German and the other from Italy. So yeah. they have like this. It's a major uh, European influence yeah, exactly, down there. Yeah, exactly. This influence. So I was understanding that part. But also, uh, it's a worldly place. So there's a lot of like Latin uh, restaurants, but like French cuisine, German cuisine. Um, and I was like, huh, okay. I found like a, there was drinking the 
Mexican Cokes with the peanuts. And that was, it has to be the Mexican Cokes because if not, the older people, like they didn't like the other one, like yep. the, the American. So all the kind of things for me was kind of like, ah, oh, this is pretty cool. Like I never think about that. So what about if I really take the challenge and go back to my like beginning of my career doing the French cuisine, like uh, working in Argentina and putting all that things um, now that pork and swing. And also a little bit here of uh, chilies or spicy, like there because also Andrew loves that part too. Uh, yeah. So I think right now what we're doing at Portion Swing is like a super South of Carolina contemporary vision of what it is. Uh, he's always like, well, we have these classics, the cornbread, the biscuits, um, like super classic, the, the grits mm -hmm. that, that are from, from there. And just adding our own vision and our interpretation of what it is uh, that play for that that plays for us, and for me it was a an amazing and like beautiful challenge. It was like okay, let's let's see how that happens. And honestly, we're being like super 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 success with all the menu. We always put a new dessert sold out. Uh, like the new items are like really really nice. And they started a really great uh, relationship with Andrew and his wife um, that we understand each other because one thing that they have is they give the chef all the freedom to be creative and to handle the kitchen. They're never been in the middle of what the, whatever you are doing. So that that's that's something awesome because they put all the trust on you and it's now you uh, showing your, your skills. And like for me, it's super important because they care about the high quality ingredients so we always have like fresh fish uh, catch of the day we don't have freezer we have yeah. just one freezer for the biscuits that we make like because we sell a lot but we are uh, basically doing um every two days the the every day and every two days the biscuits every day the, the cornbread but that's the only thing that we have a small freezer the rest is like fresh 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 and the high quality uh, ingredients in general, that's something that they, that especially Andrew and Demi, uh, that they're donors, they put a lot of like effort on it. Like everything that we get of, it's, of produce is from the farmer's market. Uh, great meat companies, uh, fish companies. We sometimes get uh, fresh um, uh, scallops, uh, caviar. Uh, we have... Uh, Toshong, the other day was yeah. doing a pizza with Toshong. So it's all that pretty cool stuff. And for a chef, that it's, you know that's what I fun. mean? That's fun. Yeah, that's fun. That's, that's where fun. the happiness is. That, exactly. And and uh, for the other side, I, I'm a super um, admin chef too. So maybe because my school and my parents are uh, an accountant's mm -hmm. quote, so for me, the numbers are super important. And also it's the only way that you can read the restaurant. So paying attention in that part, uh, it was super helpful for the kitchen and for them too. So that's why we get along together, like in this relationship, like building this relationship. And portion thing for me right now, it's a really cool project that it's a long-term for me mm -hmm. um, in my professional uh, career. 
also I do like other stuff like on my own. But Portion Swing right now it's my main, it's my house. Uh, we put all. I have an amazing team. My sous chef is amazing. Uh, so we work. Well, we have this. We don't have a set menu. So if we get something like different from the farmers market because they didn't have whatever we order, yeah, we're able to like switch it and switch like it right work with them. Work yeah, with it. yeah, yeah. That's it's awesome. every day we have uh, our meeting, so we put every single new dish. If we want to change uh, three ingredients of each recipe, we can do it. So that's that's the that's the freedom that we have, um, and that is kind of hard but also challenging for my team as well because everything is like something new. So they have to be on top of all the techniques. Yeah, uh, They have to understand everything that I'm saying, even the pastries. So now all the pastries, I'm creating a new and like super cool uh, pastry program with our pastry chef. Uh, we're bringing like classics from uh, Europe, like the, the Sachertor from Austria, from this like classic hotel. Uh, we have a black forest that is German classic cake. So everything like doing by from scratch and at house. So it's it's really really fun and it's we just want to be one of the best ones. So we have well, everything mean, it, to the, do. The restaurant has a big. I mean, the restaurant is only a handful of years old. I want to say mm-hmm. Portion Swing is what four? No, less than that. It's just two. Is it less years. than? It is just two yeah. years. You're right. It's just two. Yeah. Years. They opened during the that's right, pandemic, that's right, actually. That's right. Thank you. Okay, I was mm-hmm. flipping the schedule in my head of when they opened. But yeah. that's a restaurant that came out the gate very, very hot, mm-hmm. very anticipated, wonderful opening team, incredibly yeah. talented chefs and yeah. staff and things like that. I want to say it got best new restaurant of the year yep. by... They won by I the Orange Coast Orange magazine. Orange Coast gave it to them, yeah. Yeah, last year. And then I so know, obviously, some, like, some changes, some people left, some people came on. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned, obviously, you said a couple of minutes ago that this is a really long-term project yeah. for you. This is where you want to be. Yep. What's kind of the, what's the immediate goal just to, for like the next month? And then what's the kind of the, the five-year plan, the quote, you know, the, the traditional interview question, where do you see yourself yeah. in five years? <laughs> um, I mean, mid-term, it's be, uh, well, it's be one of the best restaurants with, with Portion Swing. Um, long-term, I would love to open another one in like South of Carolina because that's where the inspiration come from. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Um, and I think it's an Andrew's vision too at some point. So I think that's that's what it is in midterm. Just be one of the best ones. Be on top of of the of the opinion of the, everybody. You yeah. know, like being one of the the consistency uh, or the consistent restaurants. Uh, like quality, service, experience—that uh, is something that we're work that, that we're working a lot right now. Uh, being consistency and experience uh, with our guests, we're starting to work with the front of the house. Uh, we're creating this cool program between the front of the house and the back of the house. So we're we're that's our mid term, like being super solid about the experience that we are like uh, putting in in Portland things. That's that's our well, that's my mid term. Uh, goal i mean because it's it's not just about what you're putting on the plate you want to worry not worry about but you want to make sure that each guest from the moment they step onto the property gets that consistent wonderful elevated experience yeah and and that's starting with the service like even with the hostess like we are we we're working with the hostess like they have to learn the whole menu the whole ingredients because sometimes people just call say like hey 
um i mean i have this allergy or i'm wondering if you have i don't know uh, shrimps in the menu tonight because they already know that our menu changes like constantly and the hostess they have to be on top of everything yeah you know what i mean so everything for 30 p.m it's a it's appreciative with all of them they have to learn everything um, I mean, uh, it's, it's so funny. Often some of the most um, underappreciated roles from the outside world in the restaurant industry are oftentimes the most important. The dishwasher, your hostess. Yep. Like, yeah. yeah, that's literally like, yeah, that's, that, that's that could make or break a, a place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And for, for me, no. For me, it's like they are the first impression of the of the restaurant. Mm-hmm. If they don't know the menu, like what the people can expect for the rest of the of the team. You know what I mean? Like everything starts from them. It's even in the kitchen. Like if the dishwasher can be on time, uh, like organize, like clean, like what the rest of the people is gonna expect. Yeah. So it's it's, it's like pretty similar on, on the responsibility. So yeah, we're we're working on that. So that's our that's my midterm goal. Like be consistency in that experience with all with all the the, the crew, like in general, yeah. in front of the house, back of the house, um, and just we are gonna start our chef table. Um, Andrew just built a new uh, private room at the restaurant that it's beautiful. He, you have to go to check it out because he builds a wine room and a whiskey room. Oh, nice. Um, okay. Yep. And it's he just have like a high quality uh, whiskeys and wines in that room. And like in, like right there in that room, it's it's all a, one wall just with that this like beautiful room. And also, it's a chef's table there in the same room. That's it's awesome. It's kind of like speakeasy. So if you close the door, like you very can, intimate, very yeah, private. It's very yeah. intimate. Well, that's great. So chef's tables are coming back. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's something that it's coming back. But that is where I'm gonna put all the crazy technique techniques that I've been learning all these years. So I think there is not a lot of um, chefs like kitchen crews using these kind of like cool techniques uh and especially in small bites and this like chef's table no you're maybe talking about i mean obviously you have trust right now up at detention yeah. santa Ana. you've got the bellow chef's table that zach share is doing mm-hmm. over there at bellow i mean there's really not too many of, no. kind of that traditional i mean and there are chef's table options around though i know you can do it on broadway things like that but what you're talking about is obviously closer to kind of that trust bellow type yeah of thing. exactly yeah. and and trust yeah i mean but also they're I mean they're, they're super talented that they put like their menu is really nice. But here it's gonna be more about experience. So here what what we're gonna do in this room it's question everything. So why a cocktail has to be liquidy, why it could be solid. So let's do it solid. So why this has to be in this way? Like let's do it like opposite. So that's what is gonna happen in this uh yeah. That's exciting. Uh, any, yeah. Any menu like that or any experience where you're really kind of provoking expectations yeah. Yeah, is yeah, yeah. exciting. Yeah. And um, especially with all these like cool ingredients. And uh, I mean, Andrew is an amazing bartender. So yeah, Andrew Parrish is super, super talented. Yeah. Uh, for anybody listening who doesn't know, obviously you can find him. He's always in Fortune Swing, but you can swing through. But yeah, he's been doing great cocktails in Orange County for a while. Yeah, a while. That, that program there is super good. So the pairing menu is going to be him and me like working together like putting all these things so it's 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 being really 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 nice so we're working on that one we're building that and that's going to be a midterm too we're almost the room is already finished um they're just like putting more decorations on the private room and like 
they have like super like antique plates and glassware. Nice. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be really really nice, and that's gonna be our midterm to uh, goal. Uh, five years. Um, honestly, I want to open one of the best taquerias in Orange County. Personally, it's my opinion. Maybe not a lot of people is gonna be agree with me, but the taquerias in Orange County sucks. It's a bold statement. Yeah, it's <laughs> a bold statement. <laughs> it's it's well, it's I'm from Mexico City. I grew up and raised there. Not, my yeah, entire I mean that's life. yeah. You know what I mean. So it's it's hard to find a really good taco. I mean, if you go to LA, like yeah, you can have like more probabilities there, and it's gonna be fine. I'm not saying that every single taqueria here is like bad, but there is nothing closer. Well, there's not a density of it. You really, you, you have to go find oh, yeah. great ones. Like you, yeah, exactly. you gotta find like a place in Santa Ana or something like that. Like you, but it's, they, there's they, no there density. Is, this is my point about that. If you go to downtown Santana, even a lot of places, now they are Mexican American taquerias. Yeah. Even the food trucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. they serve like some, like sometimes for me, it's kind of like random to see their kind of tacos. Uh, Because obviously they have to adapt yeah. for the people. You know what I mean? But these guys in New York, uh, the Taqueria Ramirez, they're being one of the best ones in New York. I know that right place. Now. Yep. They have just five options of tacos, a small place. They are doing something pretty similar that what it is in Mexico City. And they're like super successful. And it's because of that. Like they're respecting and putting all that uh, like experience that you have when you go to eat tacos in Mexico City. That's what it is about. Maybe maybe I didn't exp maybe, maybe I didn't say like complete, but it, it's about the ambience too. It's like not just to go and eat the taco. It's more about the vibe, the place, the music that they're playing. The, it's, it's about the whole thing. And that is sometimes what makes a taco to taste better. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, my, my time down in Mexico and Mazatlan and, and different areas like that, I mean, the, yeah, the places that you find, it's because that entire experience mm -hmm. is about it, so. Yeah. And sometimes it's like the most easy and like simple things like chairs, tables, um, that are uh, with Coca-Cola brand or like a beer brand, mm -hmm. uh, two, three fridge, like just with beers and Cokes and five different tacos and that's it. Like some, sometimes it's like super easy and simple that I think that is something that we're missing here because here it's either too fancy that is not that good or is like not that quality and just ends in another. Well, there's not a regionality. It's like you said, exactly, it's, kind of, it's exactly. the American Mexican version mm -hmm. of like you have to, and You got to stay in business and Orange County yeah. is not LA. It is not San Diego. It yep. is a place that is very bland in certain mm -hmm. parts of it. I'm, I've had this conversation with many chefs who have opened restaurants in different areas or they're presenting different foods. There's it, it, it <laughs> Orange County can use some seasoning. Yeah. I think that's a completely yeah. fair statement to say. And I think that that's why for me, it's again, it's a challenge. Yeah. That's why it's excited for me. Because it's a challenge. Because I'm I'm super conscious about it. Because it's not just like I I'm gonna open a taqueria and it's gonna be the best one. It's not. It's just a challenge to show all Orange County people that these concepts are cool and you can have a really nice taco in a simple place with a like 
but just taking care of all the details. Uh, it's a great salsas, great meat, great tortillas. Mm-hmm. 80% of the taquerias here, they buy the tortillas and yeah. like, tortillas are not like that good here. But there's like two, three other taquerias that are making their 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 own tortillas or handmade tortillas, but it's from Maseca, from these like, like you know, like brands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cornmeals brands that they're not good. So all the little things that makes a difference. So I think for me in five years, I really want to open um, one of the badass taquerias, but I really want to do the taqueria concept with the agave concept. Yeah. Well, that's the so right that way to is, do it. I mean, it's peanut butter and jelly that goes hand in yeah, hand. Yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. So yeah, that that's something that I want to do. Well, I know we're going to start to wrap down this main episode. I am going to keep you around for a subscriber only bonus episode, but I do want to ask the question as a chef, where, what, what puts more pressure on you making porch and swing the best it can be or opening a taqueria? <laughs> <laughs> that's a hard one. Um, I think a portion swing uh, has more pressure because it's it's not hundred percent in my comfort zone. Yeah, like the career maybe at some point is gonna be easier because it's something that I already born and like waited. You know, it's like something that is in my subconscious already. Yeah, but portion swing, I need to be conscious about every single movement that we are doing, taking care of like since schedule the orders like the food that we're putting in the plate that doesn't have to be too much of the latin side but not much on the american side and try to match more on the south carolina side um to building the menu in that way it's like more pressure on me yeah but also i work with the front of the house to give that experience for the people it's a lot of work not everybody it's um not everybody wants to do it uh not everybody has a passion and the commitment to want to be one of the best ones so i think that's where depression is that makes sense well brother that is a hell of a journey could not be more excited for you to be a porch and swing obviously that restaurant is always in good hands but very excited to see what you're doing with it now that you're taking the reins on that menu and providing that experience and the chef's table to just the everyday It's a very, very, very exciting time to watch you work and have you still be cooking in Orange County. Very happy about it. Thank um, you. It, like I said, we're going to keep you around for a Patreon-only post-show, but if people want to find you in the meantime, um, social media, if they want to follow you, obviously they can come check out the restaurant. But yep. what kind of uh, where can people do that at? What's uh, easiest for you? I mean, Instagram yeah. is fine. Uh, my Instagram is Alan, it's A-L-A-N, um, underscore Sans, Chef. Uh, I'm there if everybody wants to um, be in there like to see what I'm doing like sometimes I post like stuff about portion swing because we have um, a lot of events like pairing menus with mm-hmm. wines with whiskey um, so we, we have one that it's coming that is an Argentinian's wine actually oh, so okay. we're going to put all the Argentinian food to pairing that um, so yeah I mean that's my Instagram. That's the easiest way. That's awesome. And then obviously come into the restaurant, order food, and enjoy. Well, Chef, thank you so much again for the time on this, man. That's what an awesome journey, awesome story, and just so excited for the future for you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's awesome, and uh, I'm really excited for this. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, brother. 
thank you once again, Chef, for opening your home, um, having me in, allowing me to record. Thank you for having such a cool cat that I got to snuggle with and hang out with because that's never a bad thing. Thank you for the cocktail. Thank you for the food. Um, thank you to all of you who are listening, whether you are on patreon.com forward slash the best seeds supporting over there or listening on free feeds. I appreciate you could not do this without you. Episode 100 is just around the corner. Uh, that is being scheduled out as we speak. Very, very excited to be hitting that milestone. But thank you so much again, all of you for being with this podcast. Almost 200 episodes. 99 was a huge one. I'm very proud of this one. Again, stick around. Go to patreon.com. Check out that bonus episode. Thank you to all the advertisers. Thank you to everybody who does support on Patreon. Thank you to Ali Coyle, as always, for providing the music for this. Thank you to all of you. I'll see you soon. Take care. The Best Seats Podcast is an original production of The Best Seats. It is written, edited, produced, and owned by myself, Crawford McCarthy, founder and principal of The Best Seats. It's based in Orange County, California. It is subsidized through generous monthly donations at patreon.com forward slash the best seats. The following are the names of those who subscribed at the highest monthly tier, aka norm status, and allow me to continue producing this show each and every month. As a thank you for their continued support, here are the names. Cheryl McCarthy, Serena Warino, George Pavlov, Eric Lutz, Paige Reardon, Loco Lipo, Tim Falk, Burrito No Rito, Sarah Hines, Subtle Bubbles, Jay Baker, Tim Swine, John Sanchez, Timothy. Thank you for your support.